0: Good morning. Um, First, I want to say thank you, Michael, for what you shared this morning. It's uh, pretty timely for me, mainly because God's been showing me a lot of stuff, and I've been sitting on it. And uh, so that's the reason I'm here this morning, or the reason I'm up here this morning. The reason I'm here this morning is because I missed being here with you all. And um, so I want to share in in the vein of of what you said, something that that the Lord showed me. There's two things I really came here to say this morning, Um, three really. Interesting thing about what you said about that guy clearing the land and stuff, I think this applies. One of the things that he did first was he dug up all the cedar trees. Cedar trees were robbing the water. They're notorious tree water gulpers. Anybody that has land that they tend to grow stuff with will tell you that if you don't get rid of cedar trees, it will just destroy your crops. There's a spiritual implication to that. If you want to be who God wants you to be, you're going to need to dig up the things that are in your life that are robbing what God wants you to be, that are stealing from you your courage, your word, your integrity, your witness. I mean, you can just pick them out. They're all there. So I encourage you to do that. And secondly... I want to talk about humility. Recently, I was reading a scripture that says, um, you know, therefore, humble yourself before the Lord. And I came across a guy uh, that made a comment. His name was Cameron Solberg. I don't know anything about Cameron, but what I read that he wrote about humility really struck Accord with me. And he says, I recently came across the Hebrew word for the most direct translation for the English word humility. And that word is anava. A-N-A-V-A-H. The written definition of anava is to occupy the space in the world given to one from the Lord. Anabas, not to overestimate yourself and abilities. Humility, what we would think is humility. But nor is it to underestimate yourself either. So dual meaning in that word. The word could not be simply the Hebrew translation. This word could be named simply the Hebrew translation for our English word of Humility. But Anabah declares a stronger meaning than humility when meeting the ear. Anabah emphasizes an importance to humility that humans commonly forget. Not only shall we be careful not to bolster vain boasting, but we shall be careful not to discredit our identities in fear of seeming overconfident. What hit me so hard with that? is that's where I've been. Neither one of those places is a very good place to be. So he's written a few poems, and and they're short, and there's one that just really, really, really struck out at me. And I want you to think of Mount Everest, okay? I want you to think of the tip of Mount Everest. We have this peak going up, right? It's the highest place in the land in the country, in the world, the, the known world. And so he says this Avanah A Aavana, or Anaba, Anaba, that's the way you say it, is the tip of Everest. To the left is pride and overestimation. To the right shame and intense humiliation. The balance is in the center is effortless for the powerless who let the Savior enter. What a beautiful picture that is of where God wants us to be. To fix all of those. Going back to digging up the things that are stealing from the land. Stealing from the inhabitants of the land. So the inhabitants of the land for me and this is, is y'all. It's us. It's who God says for me to be who he made me to be. Okay? Now, the other thing that the Lord wanted me to share this morning that I've been sitting on and chewing a while is the story of the prodigal son. I'm going to come at it traditionally, and I'm going to come at it more non-traditionally, I think, and I'm going to read a few verses. It's found in Luke. <laughs> Consequently, coincidence, I think not. Especially uh, given what you said, Michael. So I'm going to read parts of this and, and uh, say you what I feel like the Lord showed me. And I feel it's applicable for all of us. And he said, this is Jesus talking, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living." Now, when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be impoverished. So he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into the field to feed the swine. Now, you know, there's a lot to that, and I know we've all heard that, but he's a Jew. Swine, pigs, pork, bad, bad medicine for a Jew, right? So he sends him out to feed these swine. Already, he's already feeling horrible about himself. Now he's compounding that with doing what would be the worst thing he could do as far as cleanliness goes. Cleanliness of the Jew from all of the the impurities, that was a big thing for them. So he's out there. He's feeding this swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating. And no one was giving anything to him. That's all he had. He was starving. Then he says, but when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread to eat? But I'm dying here with hunger. I will get up. And I will go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. I don't even want the position of a son. I don't even want what may come with being your son. What many would expect by living in your house, make me as one of your hired men because they are better off than where I am, where I've been. I don't deserve. And you can think about where he's at right now. Think about all the things that he is beating himself up with. Shame. Humiliation. Brokenness unworthiness, sin. I wrote this down in a, when I was thinking about that particular portion. I remember when, like the prodigal son, I too found myself lost in a foreign land, hungry and empty of all that would comfort me. Like the son who knew that the servants in his father's house were better off than he was and hoped that his father might take pity on him, I knew that the father was merciful and full of grace. So that's where I went. Many of you were here. You saw that day when I stood up and said, I need help. The father answered me. And he has put me back and wrapped me with a rope of righteousness, put a ring on my finger, called me his son, extended to me an inheritance that I couldn't gain, I couldn't deserve. He did that for me he does that for all of us. I want you to think back now with me to that point when you realized, in your head, think about it, in your mind, in your heart, think about the time when you were lost, where you were desperate, when you had no hope, when all seemed lost to you. And you knew there was only one place to go, to the Father. And I want you to think about what the Father did for you during that time. What he said to you during that time. The love and mercy and unwavering grace that he poured upon you like water from a fountain. In no measure withheld. He extended to you all that he had, and that was his son, whom he sent to die on the cross to save us from all that we were and make us one of his own. Keep that in mind for a little bit. Now he got up and he went. And he told his father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. Well, i, I got to skip forward. So he saw him, and he told his father all that. But his father said to his slaves, those who he wanted to be called part of, quickly bring out the best robe. And put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and sandals on his feet, and bring the fattened calf, kill it, and let us eat and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead, and has come to life again. And they began to celebrate. And here's the other part I want to talk about. Now his older son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing, and he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring, what are these things could be, inquiring what these things could be. And the servant said to him, your brother has come home, and your father Has killed the fatted calf. Don't skip past brother. And definitely don't skip past father. It's mostly important. Killed the fatted calf. He has received him back. Safe and sound. But the brother. He became angry. And was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. But he answered and said to his father, Look, you, mister, sort of a lack of respect, my book. For so many years, I have been serving you and I have never neglected a comment of yours. And yet you have never even given me a goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, not my brother, but this son of yours, can you just feel the contempt dripping off of his fingertips, flowing out of his spirit, out of his soul? You killed the fatty calf oh, This is important. Who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes. You killed the fatty calf for him. He's angry. He's jealous. He's contemptible. And the father says to him, son. You have always been with me. And all that is mine is yours. I haven't withheld anything from you. But we had to celebrate and rejoice. For this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. Lord showed me something in that verse, in that story, especially about the brother I wrote some stuff down, short. But I think it's a, an admonition to me. I think it's an admonition to our church. We live in a world that is searching for answers. We live in a world where people are broken They are lost, and guess what else? They don't think like we do. They may not hold the political view that we hold. They may have a particular sin that we're not particularly fond of that we will draw the line at. But I want us to hear something that I feel like the Father's heart is. We can never truly understand how much the Father has done for us unless we understand the depth of our depravity and how wretched we truly were. Chill on that for just a minute. Think again back to that time when the Father says, you have need of me. Where you were, who you were, what you were. Read that again. We can never truly understand how much the Father has done for us unless we understand the depth of our depravity and how wretched we truly were. Also we can never appreciate the celebration of one that was lost and now is found if all we can see is our self-righteousness. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. Humility.